I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, I'm Danny Welbeck, and you're listening to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Here's Alexis Sanchez! What a finish! Walcott's going to go through and score! Into the middle. Giroud! It's two! Hi, I'm Russell Hargreaves, and you're listening to a bumper edition of the Arsenal Weekly Podcast for the week of the 7th of December 2015. On today's show, goalkeepers of the order of the day. Peter Cech talks to us about how he relaxes away from football. Bob Wilson stops by as our Arsenal insider. And Kevin Mooney gives us his views on the must-win game in Olympiacos. But let's kick off with a weekend review. Arsenal look to put a miserable November behind them when they welcome Sunderland to the Emirates on Saturday in the Premier League. And after an even opening half an hour to the game, they went ahead, courtesy of Joel Campbell. It was a decent ball in, and at least it turns the uh, opposition's defence round and also a little bit of uncertainty with the clearance. Good ball! It is a good ball. Campbell over on the left-hand side, scores! How about that, Joel Campbell? Terrific hit, composed finish, put through on the left. And he only had Costal Pantelemon to beat, but an unerring shot beyond the keeper and into the net. And even though Arsenal have been a little bit below par in this first half, Campbell's quality comes through. And it's Arsenal that lead by a goal to nil here at the Emirates Stadium. But Joel Campbell uh, netting here to put the Gunners in front. After Olivier Giroud put through his own goal on the stroke of half-time, he went from villain to hero when Giroud restored the Gunners' lead on 64 minutes. Back towards Ozil. Monreal is free once again. Ozil just can't get half a yard and get away from... And Villa, and also Barini, but it's Monreal moving forward now. It's with Ramsey, looks for the curler, and the header goes in! And Olivier Giroud scores pretty much in the same place that he scored an own goal in the first half, and this time with a glancing header beats Pantillamon, and Arsenal are back in front. They lead by two goals to one. Poachers strike this one. Yeah, good goal by Arsenal. Can't believe you suggested Giroud was going to come off that. <laughs> Terrible decision, but good play by Arsenal. Patient. But this time, when they came from the wide area inside, they then whipped that ball into the near post. Giroud gets a lot of goals there. I said earlier, when Ozil had that shot, I thought there was someone on the far post that had just maybe nearly got a touch on it. It was actually... Then I re-explained it, saying it was Giroud nearly got a touch. Well, this time he does. Sunderland remained a threat for the remainder of the game and missed a couple of golden opportunities to equalise, but it was Aaron Ramsey who put the game to bed in injury time. This is Ramsey breaking forward inside the penalty area. It's Gibbs, it's Walcott, can he pull the trigger? Still feel Walcott to the right-hand side. Can Chambers get the shot away inside Goal. the area? Surely he's got to go in, has it yet? 
Arsenal have got a third. Arsenal can relax here. It's Aaron Ramsey that gives Arsenal breathing space. In added on time, we can all relax because the Gunners lead by three goals to one. It just wouldn't open up for Arsenal. And then suddenly, as the ball came back across the six-yard box, Ramsey was there. And the Gunners surely have secured the three points. After the match, Arsene Wenger spoke about how he thought the game could be pivotal in his side's title challenge. My mind as well, I was a bit uh, more nervous than usual because I felt that it was a uh, pivotal game today uh, because uh, we were had in big injuries. First game without the, the players. Uh, we had to win absolutely. We played against a difficult team who was well organised and good on breaks. All the ingredients were, were there, you know, to get a, disappoint, a disappointing result. And uh, because we haven't won for three games, people would say, yes, uh, they are in a crisis. So it was important to, to get the win. We're a bit edgy, a bit nervous in the first half. In the second half, uh, we played with more freedom, more, more fluency and uh, more incisiveness. And then we won the game, I think. But it was a tough one, and uh, you get the results in the Premier League, it is like that. Olivier Giroud scored his 10th goal of the campaign in the win, but the Frenchman was quick to heap praise on his fellow goal scorer, Joel Campbell. I know Joel very well, and uh, I'm happy for him because uh, he, uh, he has uh, the opportunity to show his talent, and uh, he's, uh, he's a very good guy, top man, you know, very generous on the pitch, and uh, he never gives up. And, uh, it has uh, not always uh, been uh, easy for him, but um, I, I, I always used to speak to him and to encourage him. And uh, when uh, when he, he's playing like that, he's, um, he's uh, very important for us. So hopefully, yeah, we're going to carry on like that all together. The win has moved the Gunners up to second place in the Premier League again, just two points behind surprise leaders Leicester City. It also sends them into Wednesday evening's must-win Champions League clash against Olympiacos, full of confidence, and we'll talk next to Kevin Mooney about that very game. Kevin Mooney is a resident of Portland in Oregon on America's West Coast and helps out with the Arsenal America Club website stateside. Kevin, great to have you on the show. And maybe if you can begin by just telling us a, a little bit more about what you do with Arsenal Media from where you're based. The best way to describe it is since I am eight hours behind London, uh, I, I kind of am the de facto overnight guy. So I'll be the person who posts the stories that come out late at night, send out overnight social media, Twitter, Facebook, uh, that kind of thing. Um, and it's it's pretty much just you know seven day a week kind of thing that that I have to do. So um, it's obviously a lot of fun, and you know, getting all the news before everyone else is always a little bit of a treat too. You know, between laptops and, and iPhones, it's 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 something I can do on the fly, and you know, almost from anywhere if I need to. And uh, you know, so, sometimes the, the the timing of the stories is is uh, can be a bit awkward, <laughs> you know, because it'll be in the middle of my afternoon, but. Um, but yeah, it, it works out really well. We've got just a great system set up, so it's, uh, it's, it's efficient and, and just seems to work great. I've been doing it for about six and a half years, so I, I, everything just kind of comes, you know, just naturally at this point. Um, it's, you know, you see a story, you figure out the best way to, the best, the best way to get it out there, you know, pr or to present it either on the website or, you know, through Twitter or Facebook post or whatnot. Um, but, you know, obviously I take a lot of guidance from, uh, from 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 the guys in London, and uh, you know, just have learned learned immensely from them over the years. Um, you know, obviously, I didn't grow up with the English game, but uh, I've I've just learned a tremendous amount about it. 
you know, over the last six years and, and, you know, even longer that I've been, that I've been a fan of the club. I've been a fan since about 1997. So, um, it's, uh, yeah, it's kind of joy that way. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So just maybe sort of rewinding a bit to that kind of time, then mid to late 90s, then, Kevin. How, how did you get into the Gunners? What got you hooked? And just talk me through how your love for them has, has kind of grown, I'm sure, and matured over time. Well, it's kind of a it's kind of a long, winding story. It actually has roots back at the 1994 World Cup. I remember watching that Netherlands-Brazil game and seeing Dennis Bergkamp score the goal, and I was just absolutely, you know, just blown away by his performance. And it was several years later when I, you know, like virtually every other Arsenal fan, read um, uh, Fever Pitch. And, uh, you know, so that kind of gave me a little bit more background into the club. And then at that time in the late 90s, basically the only way to catch uh, – you know, English uh, Premier League games was these kind of late night highlight shows, you know, kind of like a match of the day kind of thing. Um, and I just remember, you know, watching one at two o'clock in the morning and it happened to be Arsenal and I saw Dennis Bergkamp. And from that point on, I was just absolutely hooked. Um, but then it was still several years later until it was actually, um, you know, getting easier to see games, whether it be live or on tape play. Um, but, you know, whether it was piling into a bar or a pub to watch a game at seven o'clock in the morning or, um, you know, just, you know, happening to get lucky that that one game would be on TV. That was, it, it was, it was tricky until more recent years until, you know, probably, I don't know, 2004, 2005. And obviously just so I mentioned Portland as well. It's been a great weekend for the city as well, hasn't it? With Portland Timbers winning the MLS title, being American national champions for the first ever time as well. And I guess that ties in quite nicely for you because you've got your Premier League team in Arsenal and that is very much the focus for a lot of fans, isn't it? But then MLS and, and that happening on your own doorstep is a, a really nice bonus as well. Yeah, it's, it's really been fantastic. And uh, one of the really, really great things too is, is you know, all, in, in all the cities that have MLS clubs, the, the the Arsenal fans are also really tied into their local club as well. So, you know, there's there's a lot of support in all the cities uh, for it. But especially Portland, I mean, the, the, the bar is, that I go to is also a Timbers bar. So, you know, it was, I'm sure, packed to the gills tonight. So, But you were there doing the uh, baby yeah. feeding duty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, no. I was, I was, I was, you know, hunkered down in my basement watching this one. But uh, no, fair but play. I'm, I'm sure it was just amazing. Fair play. No, we like it. Um, so just taking things a little bit more broadly, obviously for Arsenal important victory at the weekend against Sunderland. We've been hearing about it a little bit on the Arsenal Weekly podcast already, but absolutely key that after a winless November in the Premier League, a lot of draws, but no victory. It was vital that Arsenal got that win and just really keep that Championship challenge nice and on track. Really glad that November's over again. I, uh, you know, it's just amazing how every year it's such a struggle. Um, yeah, I mean, great, great way to get back on track. And you know, now that some of the, you know, seeing Theo come back out, um, you know, at the end of the game, it really kind of gives that ex- extra confidence that you know we're going to get past these injuries and or at least some of the injuries, and um, you know, really make a make a concerted push again you know, in the festive period and then into the new year. Yeah, so many games thick and fast across so many tournaments. It's the vital time, isn't it, to get over a blip and then re-hit your straps again. Exactly, exactly. And I, you know, and I'm just really looking forward to the FA Cup getting started again. And, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully we can get all the players back and, you know, get enough so we can get some good rotation and uh, really, really just make another push. Yeah, quite a few hopefully due back late December at worst. So we shall wait and see how that one pans out. And Kevin, obviously we shouldn't 
neglect. There is a huge, huge game this coming midweek as Arsenal's Champions League hopes rest on going to Olympiacos and getting the job done after two wins in their last three in Europe to help turn things around in their hands in theory. This is just a massive one, isn't it? Absolutely huge. I, I, I think, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's funny that, you know, once again, it, it's, uh, you know, kind of coming down to an Olympiacos game. Uh, you know, I mean, in, in other years, it seems like that's always been kind of the throwaway game that we don't necessarily have to play a huge squad. I mean, didn't we put, we played a game a few years ago where I think all the kids played, but uh, you know, yes. this time it's really important. And, you know, going down there, it's a tough place to play. And, you know, I don't think we've had terribly much luck, but, but hopefully, uh, you know, coming on the heels of this win, it'll really be, you know, we'll have some momentum behind us and just get the job done. And that proud run, obviously, of not just qualifying for the Champions League, but then making it through to at least the first round of the knockout stages is one that the club is desperate to continue, not just from a pride state, but you think of the financial ramifications for it as well. And, and just a team like Arsenal that's used to competing at the top tier and going deep into these European seasons for the fans as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, I just remember a couple of years ago looking up and just seeing the number of teams that have, have accomplished that. And I, I think it's Arsenal and Real Madrid, and that's it over that over that that same amount of time. So it's uh, certainly a you know good company to be in, and hopefully we can just keep pushing through and keep that streak alive. Yeah, three-two defeat, of course, at the Emirates much earlier in the group stages. And uh, yeah, as we let you go, you're no doubt predicting that the boys go there and get the job done in Greece. Yep, yep, I am. I'm 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 the eternal optimist. I uh, I, uh, I think. I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking. I'm thinking a three-one, three-one win. Would do the job very nicely indeed, wouldn't it? We should wait and see if that happens. Well, Kevin, really appreciate you joining us here on the Arsenal Weekly podcast, and fascinating to get your views. Yeah, absolutely, great talking to you. Kiev Arsenal are to progress on Wednesday evening in Olympiakos. Is Peter Cech, and we'll speak to him next. Peter Cech has settled into life at the club and is proving to be one of the signings of the season anywhere so far. He sat down with Arsenal media's Liam Roberts to talk about a hobby that keeps him sharp between the posts. Yeah, so what made you want to do the drum videos in the first place? Were you just, is it just a hobby? I know you've been playing for a long time. but uh... no, It was just an accident, probably. Not the first is. The, the, like the reason behind that yeah. is that you don't see yourself playing. Yeah. So it's sometimes it's good for your reference to see if you progress in a certain way. To see, you know, it's you film yourself. So sometimes you take the, the normal practice session and you put the camera on and you film yourself. And then I was, um, and then if you do different things, you don't really see it in there sometimes. So what, it, what can happen is that you play a song and then in a month, you play the same song and you put the video and then you put the video in one month and then you actually can see if you play it better, more precise, more relaxed, if you have to force or if you if you know you, you're there. Yeah. So then you see suddenly the, the song, the same song you played two years ago and then you see it after two years, you just say like, oh yeah, so you can see clearly that the progression is there and actually this is the reason. And, and then there was... Um, yeah, there was a, then I got the idea, thinking, okay, some people are afraid sometimes to show or to do something because they don't believe it's perfect. Yeah. 
But it's not about being perfect. It's about to, you know, to do something you love, you enjoy, and just to take the joy out of that. So, so just to show like it doesn't have to be perfect that you can put the video on. Yeah. So for a lot of people, it's a kind of uh, probably like a help to understand that you don't have to be per uh, perfect to start doing something. Yeah, so it's like two or three, and then yeah. people start. Or you can, or or it, you don't necessarily has to be. You don't have to be six to start doing something. I started when I was thirty, yeah. almost. So if if you you know if you uh, uh, if you look at it this way, then then you can always start something you enjoy. You take the challenge, and then you can take it as far as you want. Is it something you always wanted to kind of do, play play an instrument? Or? No, it it happened actually accidentally because I never played any instrument before, and I I never never had a music lesson or anything like that. But um, you know, we once had a, uh, with the Carlo Cudicini, we once played the the PlayStation rock band oh, thing when with a little, you know, with the with the little drum and and the guitar and and he plays piano. So you know, we had to say, oh, let's have fun with that. So I jumped on the drums without ever playing it before so i had never played it before and then so we figured out little things and we played we had so much fun yeah. then in a way I, I realized how much i enjoy it because i love music in general so i was always listening to music but um but in this moment i realized that actively participating in the song you enjoy listening to it was even better and this was the idea where i said oh if i get a digital drum kit or normal drum kit or whatever then i can put the iPod in, uh, buy, play along songs and just to play for fun and enjoy and relax. So this, it's all started like that with, the, with this idea. And then as soon as I started playing more and more songs, I realized like oh, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed that routine, the learning process and everything. And I, I love the fact that I'm improving and I love the fact that I could play a gig with a real band and I enjoy the fact that, that you know, I mean, I'm, I'm progressing and 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 all of all of this, so so in the end, I I ended up where I ended up with the drumming. Do you think the goalkeeping kind of helps you with hand-eye coordination? Is that and and is the other way around as well, because oh, because you lo you lose your all four limbs different way, yeah. so you need to kind of find a way to coordinate things. Yeah. And you keep learning and you keep learning and you keep learning in your brain and firing your brain, and in a way it helps you to coordinate better even for football. So it it's helpful for. Obviously, being a goalkeeper helped me to start learning faster at the drums. Yeah. But the, on, on the other hand, there are so many things I learn on the drums that I'm, I can use uh, in goalkeeping as well. Because the you know the the hand-eye coordination and especially the the independence of each of the limbs, yeah. uh, it's it's helpful. It's a lot of repetitive as, as you know as well. Like you're you're kind of training every day, doing this like near enough the same kind of drills, the same on the drums, isn't it? Just well, you know, it gives you a routine and and new structure, you know, your your practice and and I think that's it's um, it's it's I enjoyed it overall and I have to say that for me to be able to sit and play and with a lot play along with the songs I enjoy to to listen to, it, it relaxes me. So I, I really have you know when you have a moment, you go in the studio, you play three four songs just for fun and you just walk out, you think like. Brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Who's uh, some of your favorite drummers? Well, I like Dave Grohl. Yeah. I like uh, I like Foo Fighters. So and and like Nirvana. So obviously I'm a big fan of Dave Grohl. And obviously Tyler Hawkins, you know, took the drums uh, in uh, Foo Fighters, and uh, and and he has his uh, 
um, his own style of playing but is absolutely brilliant you know it's it sounds great and and suits the band and and so I, I like them obviously I listened when I was a kid I listened to one of the first rock bands I listened to was uh, was, was Queen and I, even now I still I still uh, lo love listening to Queen and uh, I, I had the opportunity to meet uh, Roger Taylor so it's uh, it's another fantastic uh, drummer so and he can go along with so many great drummers he, you know it's just hard to pick one uh, pick one but obviously because I'm I was fun of Iran and, and Foo Fighters then I would pick Dave Grohl and, and Taylor. Czech is just two clean sheets away from becoming the all-time Premier League leader already an icon in the game he could well go on to become an Arsenal legend as well we'll be speaking to another legendary Arsenal keeper later in the show but first it's time for this week's history lesson and it's Adams put through by Bold would you believe it? Or oh, Charlie George, who can hit him. Oh, the three goals! It's up for grabs now! Thomas! Right at the end! On the 9th of December 1961, Paul Davis was born in Dulwich in London. After signing for Arsenal in 1977 as an apprentice and turning professional a year later, he'd rise through the ranks and make his debut in 1980 against Tottenham Hotspur. That was in the North London derby, and here's Paul talking about that very special day. I didn't know I was playing in the game until two hours before kickoff. Um, Terry Neal, the manager, uh, decided to pick a big squad that, that day. We had about 18 players in the, in the squad. And we didn't know who was going to play until we had the meeting a couple of hours before. Um, we had a feeling that he might change the team around because we were the, the club were in the, the final of the FA Cup and they were in the semi-final of uh, the Cup Winners' Cup, all within a close period of time. And he just wanted to... And we didn't have a chance of winning the league and the game against Spurs was in the league. So we, a few of us had an idea that he may have changed it around, and he did, and he put me in. And uh, like I said, I just... Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out at the French Open for a chance to win a Grand Slam title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. See the action unfold as legends fight for glory and new rivalries emerge. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th, with match replays on demand so you never miss a moment. From the first serve to the final point, Roland Garros promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. 
Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. A couple of hours before kickoff that I was playing, um, of course, there's a adrenaline rush in the, in the meeting and, and excitement, but then, you know, you have to kind of, in the, in the end, kind of just make sure that you're ready and prepared to, to, to perform well. And... Uh, Luckily for, for me and for the team, we won that day 2-1. We beat Spurs at Water Lane 2-1, which was fantastic. Paul would become an integral part of the Arsenal midfield that went on to win the First Division Championship and the League Cup twice, as well as the FA Cup once. But it was his heroic display in the 1994 European Cup Winners' Cup final win over Parma, where he anchored a depleted Gunners midfield that would go down as his finest moment. George has put in some younger players and even players that playing out of position perhaps so Stephen Morrow I remember playing in midfield alongside myself who wasn't really a midfielder he was more of a defender centre back or full back he was playing in midfield and then Ian Selly was a young player hadn't played many games was playing in midfield and then myself who was the older player who was going to try and you know manage it all <laughs> in midfield so it was a bit nerve-wracking going into it because I remember Palmer being a team that you know, they had um, some key players. Brolin, I remember, was international player, and Espria was an international player. And they had one or two key players who... And everybody thought they were going to win the game because they were, you know, on paper, a more talented team. And... Um, but, you know, we stuck it in, and, and I think we deserved to win the game in the way that we played it. And, uh, again, another great night for us all. Paul would leave Arsenal in 1995 after 18 years with the club. In total, he played 447 games, scoring 37 goals. He returned in 1996 as a coach before leaving in 2003 to join the PFA's elite coaching department. We'll have another history lesson next week, but now it's time to talk to our legendary Arsenal insider. Let's hear from another Arsenal insider on the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Bob Wilson played 308 first-team games for Arsenal and 525 matches in total for the club over an 11-year period and then spent a further 28 years on board, of course, as goalkeeping coach as well. Bob, great to have you on the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. How are you? I'm very well and uh, I'm really pleased that you've gone with the 500-plus figure because uh, I am always introduced to 308 games and uh, I did wear that badge very proudly for 525. It's just that the rest were in the stiffs. I was in the reserves for so long, nobody really thought I was ever going to make it. And so it, it's, it's important to me. It just shows that you can get there in the end. That's, that's fascinating in itself. So how old were you then when you actually really made your mark as a regular first-teamer then? Well, let me just say, you, you, you know, you've got to realise I arrived as a 20, almost 22-year-old school teacher, played eight first-team games as a, an amateur school teacher. Imagine, can you imagine Alexis Sanchez or Meza Erzl looking round and having a, an amateur school teacher in goal nowadays? No, you can't. <laughs> um, so, um, you know, it, it, was an, it was an amazing story, really, that... Um, you know, that I managed to get in eventually at the age, I, I, I really, it was the beginning of the season of the 67-68 season, and uh, I had a blinding game at White Hart Lane, and Arsenal were looking for a new goalie by then, and after a month of really playing very well, and like the switch suddenly being thrown, 
uh, Bertie Mee said, oh, you know, we're not looking for another goalie. So I was by that time 26, getting on for 27. Amazing. And yeah. the rest was history, we'd like to say. Now, of course, we've also been talking to Peter Cech over the course of the show as well. And just what a, a fantastic addition. I can't think of anyone really much more qualified than you to talk about Peter Cech's qualities with Arsenal, clearly. And also, of course, before that with Chelsea and internationally as well. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I mean, I'm absolutely thrilled that he is at the club and possibly had a tiny little bit to do with it because um, the gentleman who does the deals for Arsenal, um, we were sitting in the director's box at one lunchtime when he was talking about Petacek and Petacek and I just said, look, you know, I don't think Mourinho will let him go, but I think uh, Mr. Abramovich uh, owes him after all he's won and after all he's done and his loyalty. And I said, this is, you know, this is this guy is not even 33. He is now. He's just 33. So in my in my mind, he's got at least five, six, seven seasons. You know, remembering that David Seaman retired retired at 41. Pat Jennings retired at the age of 41. Slightly different nowadays, I agree. But and and I said, look, you know, this guy is just would be an amazing addition. And um, I mean, from everything I've heard from the from the boys in the dressing room. He is just that. You know, he has the experience. He has the stature. Outside Buffon, who is still playing, but I think is slightly uh, vulnerable now and past his best, Petacek is the best and most experienced goalkeeper in the world at this moment in time. And I'm not saying, you know, he's better than Courtois. I understand why Courtois was playing at, at uh, Chelsea. Uh, he's an outstanding goalkeeper. But we have the most experienced and still best all-round goalkeeper for that uh, in the world. And I think, you know, watching the Newcastle game, he made two saves in that game that, for me, were pure perfection. One came early on when Watmore got through and Petacek made his goal of eight yards by eight foot, 192 square feet, looked tiny. And, in fact, he shot virtually straight at him and he, he killed it. And then early on in the second half, he made an extraordinary save where... You know, he expects the unexpected, which is a goalkeeper you have to do. Um, not quite with a Giroud goal that came off Giroud's shin, but certainly a save he made in the second half on the goal line that was sheer instinct, anticipation, knowledge. And, um, you know, I gather that he's an amazing guy around the dressing room and around London Coney and the training ground. No, it's a wonderful addition and hopefully, Bob, no reason why he can't keep up that kind of standard and continue to instil everything that he does for, as you say, many years, but crucially for Arsenal this season too, when they're in with a chance of maybe some silverware and possibly, who knows, a league title. Well, I mean, the league title, I still, I tend to be a little bit... Um... Oh, not pessimistic. I'm never pessimistic. Pessimistic. I'm realistic. And I mean, the fact is that as long as you have a sheikh in Sheikh Mansur and as long as you have the oligarch in Mr. Abramovich, it is very difficult to look beyond those clubs because of the money they pay for the players, the, the squads that they are able to pay, the amount that they pay, whereas we are self-sustaining as a club. I admire that enormously. Um, so I tend to be realistic. Um, having said that, we have an, a terrific squad. We have great addition, obviously, with Petacek. And we have boys who have yet to fulfill their real potential. For instance, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, I think, can be as good as he wants to be. It's just getting in Alex's brain that he has that ability. He can take people on. He's got strength. He's got everything. 
absolutely everything to terrify defenders, and that, that is playing either in a, a wide role or indeed in, a, in a, an attacking midfield role, say, just behind the front men. And um, people like him, you know, Kieran Gibbs, I think, is a fantastic pullback, um, and he's, you know, he's, he's adaptable as well. Uh, and I think Callum Chambers is a boy that I would like to see. I think I always said I think he'd become England's centre half eventually. But he is such an athlete. I quite fancy seeing him in a midfield role. Yeah, no, I can fully understand that. And a few people have maybe wondered if that is an option moving forward. Um, Bob, let's just sort of change tack a little bit. There's a few little things I wanted to ask you. We've got a couple of tweets from our listeners as well. But going back to Peter Cech, obviously he talks a lot in his interview with us about drumming, helping his goalkeeping, his rhythm, and so. Did you ever have any kind of hobbies that helped you between the sticks? Oh, that's a, that's such an interesting one. I mean, that, the fact that it would help him with his with his uh, with his goalkeeping because I watch him carefully in the tunnel before a game. When you see him on television and everything, he's never static. You always see him moving. So I can almost imagine him, you know, into a rhythm of you know <laughs> getting the body. I mean, I can see what he's talking about. In my case, it, my hobby was my garage doors. I had a double garage doors. I was a very lucky boy. My dad was a borough engineer and surveyor in Chesterfield. We had a beautiful big house. I was born into that sort of family. And we had this double garage doors, wooden doors, and you would find me every day, every night, every spare minute with a football, banging that ball against the doors and taking the rebound. So catching away from my body, catching into my body, catching it in the different ways you can catch it, catching it above my head, a ball bouncing in front of me. And I would do that for hour after hour after hour. So if that in any way replicates, I mean, I can hear the ball already going ba-boom, ba-boom, yeah. ba-boom, like the drum. Um, but, I mean, that, that for me was my hobby. It really was my only hobby. I had this dream. And uh, although my dad, you know, initially said, look, football's not a proper job, I went to Man United, so Matt Busby tried to sign me when he signed a guy I played alongside as a schoolboy, Nobby Stiles, who went on to win the World Cup. And mm -hmm. My dad said, it's not a proper job, son, uh, when you've got a proper job and you still want to be a footballer, you'll have my blessing, but not until. So that's why I had to, I went to Loughborough University and... That in itself has been amazing for me, ultimately, with my job in television. Just about to ask you about that, Bob, because obviously you've had, as you say, a brilliant career coming through as a teacher and then as an outstanding player, and then obviously so many years where I've loved watching you as a broadcaster as well. Well, you know, I was so fortunate. I mean, the BBC took a massive chance on me. Um, I used to get interviewed as an Arsenal player, and I guess being a school teacher and having taught for one year and... I then did all my coaching badges, you know, I liked, I, didn't, I wasn't saying, you know, you know, you know, every second word. Um, <laughs> you could I, be a media trainer these days as well. Well, you know, well, yeah, that's right. I mean, I look at Gary, Gary Lineker was with me for almost two years, I think it was on, on Football Focus, but I had 20 amazing years at the BBC and got headhunted by ITV, because again, I always wanted to be number one, and I was never going to be number one to Des Lynham, who was an outstanding broadcaster. And they didn't, the BBC weren't prepared to take a chance on sportsmen in the same way they are now. So I ultimately went to, to ITV, and, uh, but not without, obviously, many, many dramas and um, <laughs> what we call Coleman balls. Um, if you want to hear the one from my first two weeks, mm. they shouted in my ear, Bob, we've got some team news. I was doing football focus. Uh, 
and it's Joe Jordan. I said, yeah, he's not fit. And they said, no, no, he's fit, he's fit. I said, no, he's not fit. And they said, no, no, we're coming back to you in 10 seconds. Just tell. And I got caught between two ways of saying that Joe Jordan was, in fact, fit. And I wanted to say, Joe, Do- we just heard Joe Jordan has just passed the late fitness test. Yeah. And sadly, it came out as Joe Jordan has just pissed the late fatness test. <laughs> so that is still in the BBC archives as, you know, very early Bob Wilson broadcasting days. <laughs> um, we'll finish off if we can with a couple of tweets as I mentioned at nearly 70 says please ask Bob what was the most important save that he ever made well um, if you'd said my favourite save it was at the feet of Bestie in the beginning of our double year when we were winning 1-0 and he came through one against one I've got to slip that one in but that wasn't the most important the most important save came my wife's going to kill me for mentioning this but um i made a mistake in the cup final having had an extraordinary season all the way round. so in the 71 final we've gone to tottenham of all places on the monday night and we've got what we wanted we could have got a nil nil draw and done it but we got a one nil win and then came four days five days later at wembley and i made a little error a little error um if it had only been one nil that would i would have cost arsenal the double instead of being arsenal's player of the season which i'm very proud of but within uh two minutes of that of that error um they had a chance liverpool and brian hall was only about eight yards out and he swiveled and hit this shot and it was like it was an instinctive save and had that got in, we would have been dead and buried. And instead, I sort of made up for my error. And within another two minutes, we had got the Eddie Kelly stroke George Graham drama goal. And we went on to Charlie's famous wonderful strike. Wow. And just finally, at always, Arsenal says, Bob, apart from yourself, who is the greatest Arsenal goalkeeper of all time? Well, you've got, you know, that is so difficult because I'd want to mention Jack Kelsey, obviously, who was amazing when I arrived and kept encouraging me. Uh, Pat Jennings, who I say is the most naturally gifted goalkeeper I've ever seen in my life. But, of course, the most, the most successful, and I've got to say, therefore, the greatest, and I was alongside this guy for 16 years of his career as his coach, was David Seaman. And, um, you know, when you think nine major trophies he won for Arsenal, seven runners-up, um, and he's just an extraordinary man, an extraordinary love of Arsenal that he, that he has uh, and will have for the rest of his life. So I, I, I would have to, I have to put David uh, as the greatest Arsenal goalkeeper of all time. Bob, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the Arsenal Weekly podcast, and thank you so much for your time. It's been wonderful. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Adrian Clark is in the match day show hot seat on Sunday for the Gunners' trip to Villa Park. Clarky, always a pleasure. How are you? Yeah, very, very well, thank you. We'll get to all of our customary questions with you in just a second, but we've just been hearing from the great man Bob Wilson, and who's obviously a, a very established and huge part of the club and the coaching staff when you were a player. Yeah, I, I just loved Bob Wilson, honestly. He was just such a good bloke to have around the place, a legendary figure, and just so universally 
popular with the players. It was incredible. And, and one of the biggest treats for any outfield player back in the day was to go and take part in one of Bob Wilson's goalkeeper training sessions because basically you'd spend an, spend an hour or so lashing shots at the keeper. And he was so positive and bubbly that you would come out feeling about 20 foot tall about your shooting ability. He was just a brilliant coach. Wow, brilliant stuff. Now, Remy Gard, ex-Arsenal. Mm. Ex-Arsenal when you were here, mm. of course, in charge at Villa. I, I think, know, yeah, I know. Yeah. He's got a bit of inside knowledge, hasn't he, of how Arsene Wenger works. And I guess some people might think that that gives, gives Aston Villa a slight leg up ahead of, ahead of this game. But yeah, you know, he was, um, he was a nice man, very, very quiet, studious back in the day. And, and when he came in, nobody really knew who he was from French football. And, um, but he was extremely professional, uh, well-liked and respected in the dressing room. And, and I do remember Arsene Wenger often including him in, in little one-to-one -one chats. He, it was almost like he wasn't a coach, but he, he was like a bridge to the rest of the squad at times. When he teach his pet Yeah, when he wanted it. to get his message across, <laughs> he would sometimes get Remy to just pass little, little nuggets of information back onto the players. So, so, um, so, yeah, it'd be interesting to see the two of them go head-to-head -head this week. And what difference do you feel he has made or is clearly trying to make at a struggling Villa side? Yeah, well, it's not easy. Let, let's make that clear. He's inherited a side that's bereft of confidence and, and really struggling defensively. Um, he, he's... he's sticking with a 4-3-3 formation. I think they're trying to play a little bit more football, but he's finding his way, isn't he? I don't think he's settled yet on his strongest side. Um, I've noticed... There's, there's a good energy about them. Um, they're working exceptionally hard for one another. And you couldn't always say that earlier on in the campaign under Tim Sherwood. There was, there was a few, you know, disenchanted players there. They seem to be onside, but has he got the quality to work with? That's the big question. I think he needs to buy in January and buy plenty of players. And if he does, and if he's given the money to mm. buy, which is obviously very important as well, do you think he will or could keep them up? Who knows? It, it's not looking great for them. No. You've got to say that they're, they're adrift, aren't they? They need defenders badly. Maybe a new goalkeeper too. And also, and also a striker that they can rely upon to score more goals. Somebody to maybe partner a Rudy Gasted or a Jordan Ayew. At the moment, at both ends of the pitch, they're a little bit lacking. Mm. So, with that in mind, where could Aston Villa, if they get it right, hurt Arsenal? Well, I think, think they can get it right um, with, with fighting spirit. And they did show that at Southampton last time out. And against Man City, they really frustrated them in Remy Gard's first match. Um, Arsenal are a little bit weak, aren't they, at defending from, from set plays. And... Rudy Gasted is a huge, huge player. If he starts, and I, and I think he will start him, then it's, it's all about Arsenal dealing with his threat from corners and free kicks. That's how I think they can hurt us. Also, you've got Jack Grealish and Jordan Ayew. Jack Grealish is, by all accounts, Returning ready, to, to, return, the fold, ready yes. to return to the fold. And it's, you just wonder, don't you, if, if the story is there to be written, Jack Grealish comes back into the side and produces a moment of magic for Aston Villa. I hope that's not the case, but if he plays, we need to watch him. So, where on the flip side, Adrian, can Arsenal exploit Villa? Well, as I said, I don't think they're very good defensively. I, I, they keep changing their personnel. Three different members of the back four last weekend to the previous week. So it's all very mishmash at the moment. In my view, the loss of Amavi at left-back is, is a really important one for Aston Villa. So down that r Arsenal's right flank, I think there's a big, big weakness for Villa. Richardson's played there, Bakuna's played there. 
they're not proper left backs. I think whoever's on the right wing and Hector Bellerin can really make hay down that side. So Hector and maybe Theo or the Ox charging yeah. down that That's flank. how I'm seeing it. Mm. <laughs> uh, is that your key battle or have you got another one? No, I think we, we've got to look towards Pierre Mertesacker here against Rudy Gestead because as far as I can see, that is Aston Villa's best avenue of success. When it was Benteke leading the line, that was where Arsenal needed to be very careful. And Mertesacker did a brilliant job on him in the FA Cup final. Villa were poor, obviously, on the day. Arsenal are excellent. If he can do a similar job on Gusted and really concentrate, especially from, from corners and wide free kicks, then we should be just fine. So, in a sentence, how do you beat Villa? You, you beat Villa by concentrating better at the back. Arsenal... All they need to do is keep a clean sheet in this one because I cannot see them not scoring at the other end of the pitch. Adrian, nice work. Yeah, thank you. So the Matchday Show kicks off from 1pm UK time on Sunday. Log on to arsenal.com and the Arsenal mobile app for all the build-up and then uninterrupted audio commentary of the big game. That's full time on this week's show. My thanks to Peter Check, Bob Wilson, Kevin Mooney and to Adrian Clark for their contributions today. You can tweet your questions to the podcast by using the hashtag Arsenal Weekly. And remember, if you haven't already hit the subscribe button on iTunes, do so and you'll never miss another episode. We're back on Monday the 14th of December. And until then, it's bye for now. And come on, you gunners. Thanks for listening, and remember you can subscribe to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast on iTunes or listen to a new show every Monday on arsenal.com and SoundCloud. The Arsenal Weekly Podcast. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.